Well, we're in Psalm 112 yet again, and um, we're working our way through this psalm because I believe it's a very pivotal passage of Scripture that is good for us to be aware of and obviously to, to know. So I hope that you've been reading it uh, in your own homes. Um, it, it's a blessing because it's a blueprint or a template of how our lives should be in God. God wants us blessed. And God is in the business of blessing his people. And I say this, God, you know, the Bible says that God doesn't sleep. But if he did sleep, the first thought in his mind when he woke up would be, how can I bless my people today? That's God's heart for us, to bless us. So, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. We looked at that, the fear of God. And then it says that delighteth greatly in his commandments and we need to be people that delight in the word of God we need to be people that saturate ourselves in his word in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 it says that if you want to have prosperity and good success in life then you need to meditate his word day and night and indeed the Psalms begin with saying that blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. And you know, Bible reading should never be a chore. Uh, and, and neither should listen to preaching. Because we should be delighting greatly that God has so blessed us that his word, uh, he sends his word. And his word is supernatural, it's a miracle word, it can transform our lives if we will receive it and mix it with faith. Um, a lot of people hear the word all the time but they don't mix it with faith and they, they remain stuck in unbelief. Don't be a person who's stuck in unbelief but allow the word to speak to you and penetrate the inner man because it's from there that the word comes and transforms. But I want us to push on a little bit because we looked at that a lot, uh, great, delighting greatly in God's commandments. I'd love to spend weeks on that again, but I want to press on and look at verse 2. His seed, the blessed man, his seed, his descendants shall be mighty upon earth. His children, his grandchildren, the issue of his loins. You know, if you're blessed, that blessing trickles down or pours down upon your descendants. It should. It's meant to. It's designed to. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Um, it means that the descendants that come from you. Now, I'm saying you're blessed as the man. But you ladies, of course, can also receive this promise. Because it really just means blessed as the people. So you can expect your seed, your children, your descendants, your offspring, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, you can expect them to be blessed also. And it says they'll be mighty upon the earth. So there is a generational blessing. Amen. Amen. There's a generational blessing. There's a blessing that comes to the generation of the upright. And if you're a Christian, you are the upright because you have been uh, 
You're the righteousness of God in Christ. It's been imputed to you. It's been imparted to you. You are a, you're a Christian, so therefore you are the righteous, you're the upright, you're a saint. And these blessings belong to you. Every blessing of Abraham, every blessing you can find in this book is yours. All the good things that are in Jesus, they're yours. And sometimes we live our lives shunning these things um, because we don't think we're worthy or we don't think we've, you know, that God loves us or all these things. But he does. He does love us. God so loved the world there, it's there. If you ever doubt his love, read the front of this pulpit here. God so loved the world. Are you in the world? Were you in the world? Then he loves you. And he, he loved you and he actually loved you so much he took you out of the world and into his kingdom. So God loves us and we must accept that love and be what it says in Ephesians, accepted in the beloved. And if he loves you, uh, far more than any earthly father he wants to bless you and one of those things he blesses you with is children and sometimes you might think well my children aren't much of a blessing or my grandchildren aren't much of a blessing or the rogues or the rascals but let me just say this to you you need to speak that blessing upon them to see it okay how do we receive the blessings how do we activate the blessings? By speaking them, by reading this psalm and others, other passages, and, and in particular the scriptures we're going to look at today, and speaking these upon our children. Because I'll tell you what we do speak upon our children, they're no good. They'll no turn out right. They're a menace. They'll end up in the jail. They'll end up with no job. We speak word curses upon our children sometimes. And we ought not do it. Of course, our anger can be understandable. Um, I'm sure you can all admit that. Some of the things that our children, grandchildren get up to. But that means it's, we need to redouble our efforts to speak what God says upon them. Now, Psalm 105 verse 14 says this. The Lord shall increase you more and more. You and your children. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. Or may the Lord richly bless both you and your children. You see, it's generational. And it's also increase. God wants increase. And he is a multiplying God. And that's why when he says to us in Isaiah chapter 51, Look to Abraham your father, for I called him alone and blessed him. And, and God increased him. So that Abraham became a great nation. And so God has that in our lives. And you know, it's not always just about physical descendants. It can be spiritual ones as well. There are, there's probably very few ministries upon the face of the earth that demonstrate that more than this one. Because this ministry brought in thousands of children and adults, but certainly thousands of children. And gave them the gospel message, gave them a purpose in life, gave them a home where many of them didn't have much of a home. And you say, well, that's a long time ago. Well, I believe, God, it will happen again that we'll see this place full of children and, and youths and, and, and youngsters. Amen? So it's not just about physical children or descendants or kids. It's also about spiritual kids. 
Isaiah chapter 60 says, your sons, your daughters shall come from afar. That's harvest. That's spiritual children. Amen. So and it means that you, you can have physical descendants, but you can also have spiritual descendants. People that you lead to the Lord. And as I said, what a wonderful history in this place of many. One of the directors who I believe was inspired by D.L. Moody. This is way back in the 1800s. Maybe some of you can remember that. But way back in the 1800s, D.L. Moody came to Glasgow and it's a famous, famous visit. And it transformed Glasgow, transformed Scotland, his visit. And a mighty, mighty man of God. But when D.L. Moody met the pastors and leaders in Glasgow, he said to them, concentrate on the children. And that galvanized and electrified this place and other children's ministries. There were many children's ministries in Glasgow at that time. And uh, it galvanized. And one of the, the directors in here at the time was so uh, inspired by Moody's visit and Moody's exhortations that he personally led over, personally led over 11,000 children to faith in Christ. And that's before the internet, that's before, you know, the whatever buses ran up and down here. That's in Victorian times, deep in the heart of it. Uh, and okay, you might say a lot of them around back then. Uh, barefoot and ragged maybe, but he, he went out of his way, and many others. And of course, that's the history of this place as a children's ministry. And we are rightly proud of it in the Lord, amen, but humbled by it because... Let's be honest, there's still kids out there in the streets today, but they don't come in here and they don't hear the gospel. So we must redouble our efforts in prayer. But there are promises, that generational promises. We're going to look at some of them today. Proverbs chapter 22, because God wants you blessed and he wants your descendants blessed. So when you're not here, years from now, one of your descendants will be saying, you know, my granny, my mother, my father, whatever. They went to that church in the Gangan and they heard the gospel and they passed it on to me. And the blessings that I walk in today are because they walked with God back then. What a testimony that would be. So Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And another version says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. We have a duty. And, and if you're like me, uh, and you're a parent or grandparent or whatever, you probably, the one regret you might have in life is that you didn't impart enough of what you believed and walked in. To your children. Amen. We always have this thing that I could have done more. Maybe I failed my children. But brothers and sisters, you know, the one thing to remember is your children are individuals. You know, it's not, it's only a matter of years before they have their own responsibility before God. You know, we reach what we used to call a lot the age of accountability which is when a person is personally accountable before God. I, I believe I remember when that happened to me. 
uh, and, and some people do have that. But you reached an age where you knew that if you died, you were responsible for your eternity, not your parents. Or, you know, you'd reached that age where you had to give account to God. And all of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on, they'll all grow into that age. The best you can do is, is do the best you can. Train up a child in the ways you go. And, you know, very often they'll reject it. But they might reject it. And this is, this is how we do it, brothers and sisters. If you say to your children, don't do that, or do this, or you need to do this, and you pray every morning, or whatever, and I can't go doing that. Or I'm not interested in religion, or I don't want to go to church, or, you know, I, I like God and I like Jesus, but I'd rather play Xbox with my pals, whatever it is. But understand this. Everything that you do in that regard is planting seeds. You know, sometimes that's the best we can do is plant a seed. And when a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't go back the next day and say, where's that, where's that plant that I planted? Where's, where's the fruit? And sometimes that's all we need to do is understand we're planting seeds. And it says when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So even if your children, and many do, you know, we all hear about preachers' kids in particular rebelling. Uh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin, rebelled for many years. And, and it happens that the sons and daughters of Christians, they rebel against it. And, you know, I'm not telling any stories out of school here, but Jonathan, who comes, his father was a pastor here, and I'm told uh, a, a mighty man, a, a man with a very strong message, Maybe even fire brimstone, but certainly he, he was not a compromiser. But Jonathan rebelled against, not so much his dad, maybe just rebelled against being brought up in that environment. But those seeds. You see, he might have been sitting there chaffing under his dad's preaching and saying, I don't want to hear this. But those seeds went into his heart. And when he was old, he didn't depart from it. So Jonathan comes now came back during lockdown and it's been a blessing to us uh, and he just recently donated the guitar and the amp and he, when he is older he will not depart from it these are the promises so you might not have that problem with your children they might not rebel against your faith and your beliefs but if they do the seeds have been planted Amen. you can actually say too late when someone says to you I don't want to hear your message too late, you just heard it, and the seed is growing in you. How many times have we heard people turning to God who initially rebelled, but that seed went in and worked at a deeper level? So praise God, we can do it, we can give our very best to train up our children in the way they should go. Now, uh, let's, let's just go back to Psalm 128, and I'll show you this as well. You see, it's generational. I keep saying it, the blessing of God. Now, it doesn't mean that your children are automatically saved. Just because you get saved, just because you come to church, just because you became a Christian, just because you got converted or regenerated or whatever you call it, that's not automatic for your children. That famous phrase, God has no grandchildren. Your salvation does not guarantee your wife's salvation, your children's salvation, Though there is a promise, 
that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your household shall be saved. So we can hold to that. But it's no cast iron guarantee as such. Well, I'm saying that, maybe it is. I would take it as such, truthfully. Because if I wanted my loved one safe, I would be, I'd be in God's face all the time. But the point is, just because you get saved, they're not automatically saved. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, Psalm 128, though, tells us this. Watch this. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. It's a similar psalm to Psalm 112. That walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labour of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Okay? Your wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Now, if you understand what that means, the olive apparently, um, the, the offspring of an olive plant, it always kind of, it grows up around the, the parent olive tree plant. Its offspring are very close to it. It's actually all around it. You know, some plants... Their, their seeds can blow everywhere or be carried by birds. But the olive plant is always near the parent plant. And it surrounds the parent plant. This, this is apparently horticulturally true. And what happens is, as the young olive trees grow up, they start to nurture and nourish the parent tree. They look after the parent tree. And that's how things are meant to be, isn't it? When you're young, your children and your grandchildren grow up, they're supposed to look after you if you get too old to work or too frail or whatever. They're supposed to look after you. That's biblical. Amen? Now, you can believe for that. You can have faith for that. You see, because uh, you might say, well, my, my children have moved away or, they're distant from me, or they don't want anything to do with me. But the Bible promise is that they do want something to do with you, that they will uh, be like olive trees round about your table. Olive plants. So you can actually believe that and bring your children, your estranged children, back. Amen? Your children will be like olive trees. And also what that means is, is that whatever you imparted to them, they will not depart from it. They will nourish you and nurture you. So if you put your faith into them as in you imparted what you believed what, and what was precious to you about God, if you imparted that to them, when they get older, they will support you. That You will see them walking in the same faith. Amen. These things are important to us. Generational blessings. So we might not be able to automatically get all our loved ones saved just because we did. But we can believe God for these promises to come true. Now, Isaiah chapter 54. That's the big chapter that really speaks about generational blessing. Isaiah 54. And we'll, we'll just read that. And it says here, now, there's something else here that we'll just look at. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. 
For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. This is a promise that if you did not ever have physical children, God can still give you children. Amen? Amen. You know, and it's particularly speaking about spiritual children, uh, you know, many uh, people with children's work, in particular, they, they may never have children of their own, but they maybe were mothers and fathers, like in a ministry like this used to be to hundreds, thousands of children who can look back. You know, we still get contacted here from all over the world from people who have gone up uh, to all the, the continents and say, but my mommy my used to go to Foundry Boys or my daddy used to go, or I used to go. We still get contact. In fact, just before lockdown, the, I think it was the great-great-grandson of our founder got in touch and was going to come last May, but of course it didn't happen. But these things uh, are the case that you have spiritual children that is one of the blessings. So it's not just about having, well, I've got three children or I've got two children. You can have many children in the Lord who can be just as precious as your blood kin. Verse 2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. In other words, uh, create extra room. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and watch this, and thy seed shall inherit the nations. That's going back to that promise. Your seed will be mighty enough. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Your children, because you're blessed, your children will impact the nations. We ought to be believing those things and speaking those things upon our children, upon our wee babies, upon our grandchildren. So you're going to be mighty on the earth and you, you will impact the nations. You know, when a child hears from a teacher or a parent or somebody, you're going to be great one day, you're going to be famous one day, you're going to be... That child is... Oh. But when you say you'll never amount to nothing, you're no use, you're a bad rascal, then, then you crush that wee child's spirit. So we ought to be speaking blessing upon our children, amen? amen? And say you're destined for great things. We're not saying that just to puff them up or make them bohits. We're saying it because it's scripture. So begin to speak these things upon your children and grandchildren. And further on in the chapter it says this. Verse 13. Uh, here it is. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. What a wonderful promise. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. Now I read something a while back, and it really struck me. And it was emphatic. They had done studies, uh, researchers had done studies on the influences upon children. What, in, what influenced children the most was what they were looking for. And time after time, repeatedly in the studies, they, they discovered this. The greatest influence in children was not the parents. 
The greatest influence in children was not their teachers or a role model or someone like that. The greatest influence on children, and this is across, you know, this is across the spectrum. It's not just a wee narrow uh, study group. Time and time again, they found out the greatest influence upon children were their peers. Those that they ran about with. By a massive, massive percentage, that was what it was, the, the, the greatest, don't remember the exact thing. So you could be a, a great parent, or you, your children have great role models, or wonderful teachers, but the strongest influence by far on children was who they hang about with. And that's why it's so important. Yeah, I was just obsessed with who the children hang about with because she doesn't want a bad influence. And that's so important to understand that if your children have a, have a, a bad peer group, then that will influence them far more. They can come to church, they can have a lot of input from family members or mentors, or teachers, but they will go and run with the, the crowd. And that's why this promise here is something we need to really believe God for, because it says, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. So they might, as they call, as they say it, sling you a defeat. They may ignore you, or they may say, I write dad, write mum, I thank you, whatever. But it's God that can get through to them. At that deeper level. Amen. So it's not just that we teach them, it's not just that we instruct them, which we should, we're commanded to do it, but we have to believe that that deeper level, at that deeper level, brothers and sisters, God will speak to our children and our grandchildren. We have to say, Lord, I'm believing you to get through them because you might even say it, I can't get through them. Yes, you can plant the seed, but we, we still need the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit to reach our children in the very depths of their being and that they be taught of the Lord. And then it says, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Peace is probably the most underrated thing there is. But you know, in this world today, with COVID, with Afghanistan, with the tumult among the nations, with all the the violence and the crime and the drugs and everything that's going on. We need to be believing God that our children will live in peace. Amen. Amen. Peace means security and safety and rest from all the stress. You know, children are suicidal. Children are depressed. Children are oppressed. And think of all the other things that's going on in the world right now. Glasgow is arguably the sex children's sex trafficking capital of Europe. Let that sink in. Your children are far more likely to encounter sex traffickers, drugs, violence, than, than, than arguably anywhere else, here in Glasgow, than arguably anywhere else, in fact, far more, pro, far more likely to, in the Glasgow area, particularly in Glasgow itself. So we need to start believing God for our children to have peace, to, to be safe. Uh, some need rescued and some need protected from and preserved from. But it's time we get serious with God. But these are blessings, brothers and sisters. These are things promised us 
but we need to stand up and receive them as the people of God and say, not my children, not my children to the devil. My children, my grandchildren will not be trafficked, will not be oppressed, will not suffer racial abuse, will not suffer sexual abuse, will not suffer any abuse. We need to be people who say things like that. And not just our own children, but all the children. Amen in Glasgow in Scotland. So finally, let's turn to Malachi chapter 4. Just want to read this out to you. Let's start praying earnestly for our children, but not just praying, oh Lord, help them, but let's speak these blessings upon because God's promised to preserve our children. He's promised to keep them, to give them peace, to teach them all these wonderful things. Let's not be negative or fearful about it. Let's be positive and full of faith. Malachi chapter 4 says, uh, here we are, sorry. The last three verses of the Old Testament, which clearly means are important because of the last three verses. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. This is Malachi chapter 4. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, which many believe is coming very soon, brothers and sisters. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Just very quickly, the Lord's saying here that he will restore families in the last days. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. If you have estranged descendants, children, grandchildren, whatever, stand on this promise. Believe God. He says he will give you the blessing of family restoration. You know, it might not apply to you, but for those that does apply to you, it's a very grievous thing to have lost relationship with family members, isn't it? God will restore families in these last days. He says before he comes and strikes earth of a curse. It is a curse in many ways. To have estranged families. There's no blame being a person when I say that. These things can affect anybody, even the greatest and most tightly knit and you know of families. These things can affect any family. But the promise of God is this: that there will be family restoration. Amen. So praise the Lord. There are generational blessings, these things are available to us. These things are for us. God wants us to be blessed. And it's an, it's an automatic thing in our families that he says, I'll bless your offspring. But we still have to, I believe, stand before him and say, Lord, give, make these blessings real in my life. Actually, in fact, let's just close with this because I was going to close with that, but I meant to read this and I didn't. Psalm 128, because this is a particular one for grandparents, okay? Psalm 128, and we'll just read that and then we'll close. Psalm 128, which we looked at, says this. The last um, verse says this. Well, read verse 5. Uh, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of life. In other words, national blessing. You'll see your nation blessed. But watch this, the last verse, verse 6 of Psalm 128. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children 
and peace upon Israel. You will see your grandchildren. Now, if you're estranged from grandchildren, or you don't see them, or they don't bother with you, they can't be annoyed, stand in that promise. God wants you to enjoy your grandchildren, and it's not just that they need to enjoy you, they need what you can give to them. They need your wisdom. They might not know it. They might be too arrogant to acknowledge it. But God wants grandchildren and grandparents to be reconciled and to enjoy each other. Amen? So if that's some, or even for somebody you know that they're strange on their grandchildren or their grandchildren can't be bothered with them, stand on that verse. Because these blessings, we're not meant to have the generation gap. The generation gap is of the devil. Amen? So we're not going to put up with that. God places each one of us in families. And the Abrahamic blessing, and you, Abraham, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Let's just close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for these truths. Generational blessing belongs to us. The Abrahamic blessing belongs to us. That in thee, in thee, Abraham, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We are the children of Abraham, and we believe, O oh God, that we're going to have blessing. Every person here, I say it right now in Jesus' name, may they be blessed in their families. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nephews, nieces, extended family. May all our families be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's close now, brothers and sisters.